I mean, the results, they kind of show for themselves. Physically, it's much more obvious because you could see a person who's trained hard and trained well. But the mental aspect that comes in between the plays when you kind of assess, like, what's this guy doing? How's he improving? And, you know, what's his spirit like on the field? And how does he react to adversity? Sports is a great way to really teach you those kind of things. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Elijah Holder, defensive back number 33 for the Denver Broncos. Elijah was born and raised in Oceanside, California, and is a Stanford graduate. Following a great high school and college football career, Elijah has faced some challenges in making his way to the NFL. Nonetheless, he has found a place in the Broncos lineup and intends on taking advantage of every opportunity he is given. For the last two seasons, Elijah has taken part in the NFL's My Cause, My Cleats, showcasing his charity of choice, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which, as you know, is one that's near and dear to my heart. This year, he's decided to auction off his game-used cleats with all proceeds going to AFSP. Well, hello, everybody. I am here with Elijah Holder, number 33, defensive back with the Denver Broncos. Thanks for joining us today, Elijah. Appreciate it, Larry. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here. Let's just jump right in. Making an NFL is quite an accomplishment. It's not an easy task. Can you tell us about your path to the NFL? Yeah, so back in college, I went to Stanford University. I played there five years. I redshirted my first year. I had a couple back-to-back season-ending injuries. So after that happened, my dreams for the NFL were kind of you know, starting to darken. And somehow, some way, I still made it. I still had the chance to make it onto a team. I had the opportunity. And at the end of the draft, I had a couple teams call me. It was first, it was the Eagles. And then late on in the discussion, the Broncos chimed in and I ended up going with the Broncos because I thought it was a better decision for myself. When I got to the Broncos, it was definitely an uphill battle, basically bottom of the depth chart. Before we started this recording, I told you a little bit about my number and how that happened. This is, I'll just say the story right now, just because it kind of paints the picture of like where I was as far as making the team. So training camp, I'm on the team. I'm basically the underneath of the totem pole. I'm that guy. <laughs> I don't get to pick my number as a defensive back. Like all the numbers are taken. I'm like also assigned free agent. So I'm not like a drafted guy or anything. I'm bottom of the totem pole. So I get assigned 49. And for those who are listening, just know that 49 is not your typical defensive back number. Usually the 20s and the 30, that's more like kind of like sexy sleek, like, oh, (laughs) he's out there really running and gunning kind of thing. And 40s, that's kind of like a linebacker. Right. I'm definitely out of my position wearing 49. 
There's always a reason, though. Things are meant to be, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I accepted it. I accepted it. I was happy to be there. You know, I was blessed. I was lucky to be in the position I was to even attempt to make this team. So, yeah, all the numbers are taken up. And then once training camp is over, you know, guys get released, cut, traded, whatever it may be. So numbers opened up and I had the, the choice to change my number from 49 to one of those more sexy sleek running and gunning numbers. But, you know, I told myself, I said, you know what? Well, 49, it got me to this position where I could even be on practice squad. And I saw it as a year where I'm going to be improving a lot and just working. So I saw that number is kind of like, I don't know, an anecdote for how my season, how I foresaw it to be. Me working for the whole season, being a working man and just doing what I can to, to get better and improve and just help the team any way I can. So I kept 49 for my first year in the league. And, you know, I definitely it's funny because a lot of guys, they would see me like, what the like, what the heck are you wearing? <laughs> like in a, you know, on the team, they see me like, you weren't 49. I'm like, ugh. And um, it's funny, at the end of the year, I was asking guys, I was like, you think I should change my number? And only a few guys were like, no, keep, man, it's definitely you. And then everyone else was like, bro, do not listen to what they're saying. Do <laughs> what your instincts are telling you to do. So I ended up changing my number to 33. And yeah, I mean, I love it. I feel like it suits me a lot better. But I'm always going to pay homage to 49. But yeah, that just shows like where I was. You know, I was just making it to NFL was not an easy task. And it was really just a lot of hard work from the jump. Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of behind the scenes on ESPN, or you even see some of the shows that highlight what the NFL is like. Is it as hard and as brutal as they make it out to be, as difficult as they make it out to be? Or is it even worse? (laughs) Well, I mean, I can only like, obviously, I can only compare to my experience. And the closest thing would be like, okay, the jump from college to the NFL. And where it gets definitely more... I guess, brutal and the hardships is definitely like one, the competition is just like at a different level. It's more elite. You're getting guys who are, I mean, they're just, they're the best in the world at their position. So they're going to be machines. Yeah. They're going to be, yeah, they're going to be the (laughs) biggest, the fastest and strongest. So, I mean, that's going to take a different kind of toll on your body than it did in college. Cause when you get up there and you try to tackle Derrick Henry, like (laughs) I haven't done it yet, but (laughs) my teammates have. I could tell you, like, it's different from tackling, you know, your average, your typical running back in college. It's not the same. And then also just the duration of the season, it's much more lengthy. Right, uh, gr- grueling and grinding. Yeah, I mean, it's a 17-week season, and then you get playoffs, so it's much longer than college, especially this year. A lot of college teams could only play a handful of games where we still played our full schedule, so that's just how it is in the league. Right. You're really playing, like, a good amount of the time, and then when you go home, you only get to go home for a little bit, and then you come right back. And it just starts all over again. And it's this whole thing. Just It's really just always going. So that part is definitely more grueling. But they also do take care of you, I'd say. My practices in college were, I don't know, maybe it was just because the coaches I had in college, but we, we were definitely going. We were going like, we were in pads every single day, basically going like really hard, running to the ball all the time. But in the league, like there's basically like a mandate where you can only have like 17 padded practices a year. So they do that just to take care of your body because they know it's a long season. And grueling. yeah, if you go too hard for too long, guys are going to start giving out and you want to limit the injuries and such. So it's give and take, but it's definitely it's a new experience and I've been loving it. You bring up some great points in what we just discussed from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint. What do you feel that sports has provided you both mentally and physically? Well, physically, obviously, the training aspect of sports. I mean, there's nothing like it because I remember back in college, I had his name was Coach Turley and he 
was a hard mm-mm. Like <laughs> he was, if you ask anybody who trained at Stanford, you know, from any point, really anyone within the last like 10 years or so, maybe 12, they're going to tell you this guy was like someone who put you through it mentally and physically. And I mean, that's just how it is with sports. Like you go through it mentally and physically at the same time. I mean, the results, they kind of show for themselves. Physically, it's much more obvious because you could see a person who's trained hard and trained well. But the mental aspect that comes in between the plays when you kind of assess like, what's this guy doing? How's he improving? And, you know, what's his spirit like on the field? And how does he react to adversity? Sports is a great way to really teach you those kind of things. At least, you know, with myself, you know, I had injuries. That's just a part of sports. And a lot of athletes right. have to deal with that. And some, if they're really lucky, don't ever have an injury. And if that's you, you are truly blessed. And <laughs> be thankful. Good genes. Good genes. <laughs> good luck. Really, just good luck. Right. I mean, that's just sports. Like injuries just happen. But I feel like that is also a big tester of your mental and really just testing your spirit. And it just teaches you a lot. It teaches you how to really just respond and how to regroup and pick yourself up when you get hit with a bad situation. Yeah. I mean, do you think all these tools will help you not only through football, but even post football in whatever career you have after football is done? Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like it helps me. I mean, now just outside of the football field, like off the field, just communicating with others. If something goes on in my personal life that have me react in a negative way, I kind of, you know, fall back on the negative experiences I've had in my past with regards to sports. And that kind of helps lead me into the right direction of how I actually really want to respond. What's the best way for me to get past any kind of circumstance? That's great. So listen, I have a question I got to ask you because it's just something that's been burning a hole in my mind, so to speak. And is it harder to make it to the NFL or is it harder to stay there? I'd say it's harder to make it. It's harder to make it. And it's funny because this also kind of reminds me of Stanford. (laughs) It was like application process. It's so hard. It's so hard to get into that school the same way. Like it's so hard to get into the league. But once you're in there, like you find you just start getting the resources that you need to succeed and it becomes much more manageable than it is trying to get in with the league. uh, We have rookie minicamp. So whether you're a drafted player or a signed player like myself, all the rookies come in just about like a week before everybody else comes in for training camp. And we train for like three days and of maybe like 30 rookies in there, it'll be like 30 guys, only about like nine, maybe 10 make it. So you're just seeing just like that, like it's hard to even to get there. Like a third of the guys, just the rookies that all these guys that you just meet, they're already like, or two thirds, sorry, they're all gone. Just like that. And once you're gone, it's really hard to get back in. Well, I mean, well, you weren't really in it in the first place. But once you make a team, I'd say it's much easier to kind of stay in the league. But really just making that a first initial roster is the hardest part for any player. And then you feel once you're in, they give you a lot of tools to help you stay there, more or less. Once you're in... Yes, because obviously not that it's have, an easy thing. You, you still have to work hard, but they give you more tools. Yeah. But the thing is, the concept of like, who's they? So you're saying like they <laughs> and just let you know, like the they to me are like my teammates, like right. getting to be around my teammates. They help with the success of like my career, because if I have the questions, they already know the answer Say so like this is hurting on me. Like, what should I do? Who should I go see? And they have like the best guy in the area and they send you to him. And then you're like, wow, this is exactly what I need. I would have never known if I was never on this team. Right. Like really just relying on 
and your friends, your teammates. That's like, that's really what helps. Best resources. Yeah, it really is. It's just like who you know, really, it just helps so much, especially when you have guys who are like one of the most elite in their position. They're going to have the best resources. Absolutely. I can appreciate they for that. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So listen, this is the Midland Money Mindset. So as somebody who has at times been in and out of the lineup on and off the roster, what type of mindset do you need in order to stay positive and focused week in and week out when you're going through that type of event where you may or may not be on the roster from week to week? I know you've been on the roster consistently for many weeks now, which is great, but I also know there was a time when you were, as you said, put in the work in where you weren't necessarily on the roster from week to week. So how do you keep positive and that mindset focused? Right. The best thing that has helped me is just focusing my improvement. The small little things are the best way to keep my mind focused because they're usually the things that are like most in the present. Like I go into practice and I just have like a goal for my practice for the week. I said, I got to get a pick this week in practice. This is all I got to focus on. And I'm on scout team. Like this is all I got to focus on. I focus on doing that. And I reached my goal. Sometimes I didn't, but that was my focus. It wasn't ever like, I got to be on the field this week. Like they're not going to move me up. Like, are they going to move me up? Are they going to sign me? Like, cause that really like having your thinking dwell in the future or the past, it's just going to derail you. And I figured that out last year, the first half of my season. And I was all in practice squad basically the whole year until the last two games. But like the first half of the season until we hit our bye week, it wasn't my best kind of ball. And then once I hit the bye week, I had that time to kind of reflect and regroup on like, what's going to help me really succeed. And it was just that, just like to narrow my focus. So uh, I would just say narrowing my focus was the biggest thing. It sounds like you also focused on the things that you were in control of. You can control your play. You can control your practice. You can control Mm -hmm. trying to improve yourself. You can't control them signing you. The hope is that if you control those things or if you act on those things you can control, hopefully those other things will kind of get noticed and taken advantage of for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Effort and attitude, like really the two things I ever only had to focus on, and that would just always steer me in the right direction. Any of that stuff, as far as like, may I be brought up? May I not? Like, I was always oblivious to it. And I still kind of am like, we have a bunch of new protocols this year, obviously for COVID. And there's a bunch of stuff I really don't understand. But to me, it's just not important because all I got to really focus on is just my attitude, my effort. And then that'll take me where I want to go. Sounds like you have an awesome mindset. That's for sure. Now, I wanted to pivot for a minute. In 2016, the NFL started My Cause, My Cleats. For those that don't know about that, can you tell them what that initiative is all about? Right. So the initiative is basically a way for every player in the NFL to have their voice or really to represent a nonprofit organization or some kind of cause that they really either identify with or really just love and support. And they do that really just to really just promote that cause and just to get their voice heard and really just spread awareness for whatever cause it may be. And yeah, the last few years I've chosen to support the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which I obviously learned that you're a board member of, which is awesome. And yeah, I mean, I chose that because back in high school, I had a very special friend. Her name was Carly Wilson, who unfortunately took her life back in high school. I just remember it was really a shock to me because it was a person who was like literally like the light in a room, like someone who was super bubbly, super outgoing. 
you wouldn't have saw it happening. But there's also suicides going on across. So, I mean, I thought what better way to, you know, kind of honor her memory and also just do a good deed than to pick your cause that you represent. Because I feel like it's something that's great and it needs to be promoted more, especially nowadays with everything closed down. I know the mental stress on so many people, especially young people, can be a heavy load. And it feels like or it seems like a lot of people don't have the kind of right ways to express themselves or to kind of relieve that stress. So. Yeah, second year doing it. And I'm happy that I got to meet you and be on this show and talk about it more. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to start out by saying I'm really sorry for your loss of Carly. And I think that what you talk about is something that's not uncommon when it comes to mental illness and suicide. We talk about it all the time in terms of it's not like a disease. It's not like cancer. It's not like leukemia, where especially back in high school, you could notice something was wrong with somebody a lot of times, you know, because if they're going through chemo or some kind of treatments, you could see what's going on physically. They don't look the same. When it comes to mental illness or mental health, it's you're not wearing that on yourself when you're entering the four walls of the school. And it's hard to identify, which makes it Mm -hmm. so much more difficult. And there are so many people like Carly that are the light of the room. I mean, I lost my brother-in-law in 2004. He used to be the life of the party. He was the guy that used to dress up as Superman and go out to the Bordy Barn here on Long Island in the Hamptons during mm. the summer. And people used to tell us that we ran into who went to the Bordy Barn. They tell us stories about a guy who dressed up as Superman. They didn't realize it was my brother-in-law. Yep. He was just that type of guy. But he was going through struggles in his own mind, which made it very difficult. And it's hard to tell. And I think what you're doing in honoring Carly and all those that are struggling with mental illness either and or have attempted or have families that have been affected by suicide, I think it's great. I appreciate you using the logo and putting it on your cleats and getting involved in the cleats for a cause. I will also tell you, I think it's people like you, professional athletes, people who are in the spotlight who are being looked at and looked up to have really been drivers in helping drive down the stigma associated with mental illness. I look back, I've said this to my wife a couple of times, probably in the last several years. I always wonder if my brother-in-law was here now, if things would be somewhat different because when he passed away 16 years ago, people weren't as upfront and open as they are now. And in recent years, you've had like Michael Phelps come out, talk about it. You've had other NFL players talk about it. You've had NHL guys come out and talk about their struggles very openly. And I think it's with people like you who are in that spotlight promoting and showing people that you support these causes. I think it's a really, really great thing and helps overall reduce the stigma, let alone donate some money to a great cause when you, I believe you auction off the cleats after you wear them and then they're game used and then you try to raise some money for the organizations that way. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Players do have the option to auction their cleats and this is the first year that I'll be auctioning mine. All the proceeds go to the specific cause that each player is represented on those cleats. So hopefully I know that you bet on my cleats. So hopefully you get them. I would love to. Listen, I hope you just get a lot of money for AFSP. That's all. Yes. I'd love to be the winner, but if I'm not, I hope they go to a really high bid. That's Same. my hope and my desire. I agree with you there. Do you people approach you as being a player and they know that you're playing for this cause? Do you 
Do players or fans, has there been an outreach in regard to you supporting this cause where people are wondering more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention because of you putting them in the spotlight like this? Yeah, there's been some feedback for sure on my social media where I posted on my Instagram, and I think that's where you found me also. There's been people in the comments who have definitely uh, voiced their support of the cause and also really just some in-person talking over at the facility. So, you know, obviously a lot of guys are like, hey, what are you supporting this year? This and that. And there's been some conversations where we all get to express like what our cause is representative of and why we support that. So at least in like my locker room, I've had the chance to talk to a a couple guys and kind of express like the whole reason behind I support the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They did vice versa. But really the, the biggest reach is just really social media and like that's really our voice as athletes, putting it out right. there that everybody see like we're athletes, but we're also people who have things that we love and support. And this is just one of those things. Yeah, I'd love to see them allow you guys to do it more often. I think it's a great thing and a great way to highlight great causes. I've learned about some causes from some of the other players that before that I had no idea about. So I think it's a great venue to kind of introduce the world to some great causes because every single one of you whatever the cause is, it's a great cause. There are all great causes and there are so many good ones out there that sometimes it's even hard to delineate which one you should support. Cause yeah, they, they're all they, so special. They are. They're special, especially the person who's wearing them. So it is a great thing that the NFL is doing. So what is the message? Obviously, this is something that's important to you. It's, it's your cause and your cleats. What's the message that you want to give fans, fellow football players, or the thousands of youth players that look up to you about maintaining good mental health? It does start with yourself, I'd say. And with me, I've had my ups and downs. And what's helped me a lot is self-reflecting and also just expressing. Like Those two things have helped me a bunch. And I know not everybody has a means to actually, or at least feels that they don't have the means to express themselves, which is a really a big problem, I think, with mental health is finding that that way to express yourself and just say like what you're feeling, because so many times like I or really anyone can feel pent up with whatever's going on in their lives. But just finding that person that you only need one person. And if you let them know how you're really feeling, they will listen to you. So don't be afraid and don't feel like you have to take it all upon yourself. Like you can find that one person who will listen to you and it will help the situation out. So that's a good point. I mean, you know, talking about it. So let's say I'm somebody who's struggling and I need to talk to somebody, but my fear is, hey, you know, if I talk to John, my buddy, that he's going to look at me differently. Should that concern me or I should have the conversation with John regardless? I think obviously you should have the conversation. I feel like it's only going to, one, it's going to clear things up with you inside your heart and how you're feeling, but also it's going to strengthen your connection with whoever you're telling it to. It kind of reminds me of like role models. I always kind of felt like if you have a role model, let them know that you look up to them and that'll make the role model more inclined to be a better person for you. And I kind of see it the same way as like that person who you're confiding. Like if you tell somebody something that's really like, I guess, important It should only be for you and them to hear. They're going to respond in a way that it's only going to strengthen that conversation and, you know, help you be a better person at the end of it and make them want to be a better person for you. I agree with you. You shouldn't be concerned about what may happen from that point. It's a matter of having trust and confidence and being able to have that conversation so that you can potentially get the help or the support you need, right? Exactly. 
I think mentors are huge. I think they're very important. Did you have a mentor in your career, either high school, college, or even now in the NFL? Yeah, I feel like I've had plenty of mentors in some kind of capacity. But if I had to pick like one person who's really helped me get through like so much, I have a twin brother. His name's Michael Holder. He's really on the same journey as me trying to make it in the NFL. And he was my like one person. And yeah, just having him has made everything so much better for me because he's always a person that I know, like he understands me. And sometimes I may not even say it. I could just be around him and he just knows how I'm feeling. That might be a twin connection. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Twinning, um, right? Yeah, twinning. But we definitely had a special connection. So always being around him, like he was always a person for me that I could always confide in and always feel completely myself. But obviously my dad, my older brother, I had a coach in high school, John Carroll, who was a great mentor to me, a college teammate. Shout out to Ronnie Harris. He was a great mentor to me. And now in the league, I'm kind of learning my new mentors now. So I've really been lucky at every stage of my life with mentors. Do you think you could have gotten where you are today without them? No, I would not be in the position today without those people. So I am very thankful for everyone aforementioned and anyone (laughs) I might have left out, I am always very thankful for. How does that dynamic work with your brother now? Now with you in the NFL and you're saying he's trying to, you know, his goal is to achieve the same. Has that changed the dynamic between the two of you at all? No, it's actually quite funny. So yeah, me and my brother, we have a special relationship where it's kind of weird. Like we don't really even talk about football. (laughs) Like we never have. We like literally never have, like even growing up, like we always just talked about other things. So I, I don't know, maybe that's why it's just so easy for me to talk to him because it's like football is like, it is a big thing, but between us, it's not the only thing. So football is definitely, it hasn't really changed anything between us. It's just something that we both aspire to do and something that we both support each other in. That's awesome. Listen, that's all you can do. And I have two sons, brothers, you know, it's a yep. special bond and being a twin is probably even more so a special bond. Man, it's crazy. Uh, I wish everybody had a twin. Do you guys fight it out on the PlayStation or what? Shoot, we used to duke it out when we were little. Nowadays, <laughs> yeah, PlayStation, that's about it. That's probably <laughs> the only football you talk about is the PlayStation football, right? <laughs> Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Elijah, it's been great having you. And we end every show with the same final question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? So I have a daily routine. I have this book on my desk or my nightstand right beside my bed. It's called Jesus Calling. It's basically just a daily devotional that I read that my girlfriend got for me last year. I read it every day. I've already read it one year in a row. This is my second year reading it every day. And that really just puts me in a great mindset of just being in the present moment and also just being thankful for what I've been given and the situation that I have and the people that support me. That's awesome. That's really uh, something that just grounds me and puts me in the right mindset to take on any day. That's great. And listen, I really appreciate you joining us, Elijah, and talking about your story and about my cause, my cleats, and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. If people want to learn more about you, obviously, we'll have some more information in the show notes and everything. But you said earlier, you have a big Instagram presence. If people want to follow you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Elijah Boy, which is L-I-J-A-H-B-O-I. The name was made back in middle school. Don't judge me for it, but that's what it is, Elijah Boy. <laughs> and it's stuck. And it's stuck. It just is what it is. I, that's my nickname around town. So they just call me Elijah Boy. 
So well, that's at least you at. didn't make Elijah Boy forty nine because then you would have gotten a lot of flack for that. Oh yeah, changing my number. That would be bad. Well, listen, Elijah, it's been great having you. I appreciate you taking out of the time out of your day to join us and Larry. share your story and make it a great day. Yeah, sure. Appreciate you having me on here, Larry. He's a lot of fun. And I feel like this is a great conversation we had and for others to hear. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Elijah Holder for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Elijah is a great example of what it takes both physically and mentally to make it, and more importantly, to stay in the NFL. His willingness to speak about the loss of his good friend, Carly Wilson, and his support of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is admirable and something all fans can get behind. Support Elijah and his efforts both in the NFL as well as his support of AFSP by following him on Instagram. You can find all his contact and social media handles in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.